I knew I knew it was over. I didn't I didn't it was nobody needed to tell me. I knew that was over. But I'm in shock. I'm in trauma. I'm trying to call out to my mother. This is Leon Harris. And on one Monday night, his mother's worst nightmare comes true. And then I got cracked and I got broken. And she did not know what to do. And she protected the hell out of me. Never wanting to see him hurt again, she protects him from everything, including love. In my mind, I kind of felt like, because of how protective she was, she felt like nobody's going to take care of you like mama. I lost my whole family by just telling them I wanted to marry someone. It hurt. It hurt. It hurt. But this isn't a story about loss. This is a story about restoration. You're listening to Love and Disability. I'm Alice Edwards. Hi, listeners. A quick heads up. In this episode, there are depictions of violence against minorities, which may be triggering. It's 2007, and Leon Harris is 16 years old and lives in Philadelphia in the U.S. A goofy hard worker, that's all I was. And growing up, it's just him and his mom. Were me and my mom close? <laughs> yes and no. It seemed like we were, um, and in some ways we were, because it was just me and her. So we had to kind of protect each other, look out for each other. Even though it's just Leon and his mom growing up, they have a kind of second family as well. The church. We were very, my mother was very involved um, in our church. She, we, we were at the church almost more than home outside of school or her work. We were at the church on most of our free time. So we were very involved. So it really was just us. So I think they were like our family that was a lot more disjointed. Leon describes his mom as a very hard worker, both at church and at her job, making sure she always provides for her family. The, the part that lacked for us was the nurturing side. I didn't have the nurturing mother that I, um, I'll say that I wanted. Instead, he feels that she's very strict and overprotective to a fault went to who who I interact with if, if if she had to kind of know everybody I interacted with um again yeah she had to prove she kind of had to know their backstory what they was into I didn't really go many places much less by myself um for a while she doesn't give him a clear answer as to why they have to be so careful but Leon has a good idea she was scared I think all of her behavior kind of shows that she was scared to lose me. Any kind of way. It, it, yeah, she was scared to lose me. And on one Monday night, on March 26, 2007, she almost does lose him. Um, so it was a regular day for me. I went home. Um... Got ready for work, went to work. You know, the one thing I like to always emphasize is it's, it's, it's important to me is um, 
I had like a set schedule and Monday was not my scheduled day. I got, I picked up a day for a coworker and it's always, it's crazy to me because this was, it was a weird day. He works at a department store called Burlington Coat Factory. Um, and I worked in the suit department. I will help you get your suit for your funerals because that's what most of the people came in there for was a funeral. <laughs> and I actually liked it as a kid. It was cool. I felt like I was doing something. I felt like I had a purpose helping people get the right, get look right for a special occasion. It was nice. And on this particular night, they get to close up early and Leon makes it to an earlier bus home than usual. It's a beautiful spring night. It's a beautiful spring night. It's dark because uh, it's nine o'clock on the East Coast, so the street lights is on in March. It was it was a nice night. I had like I don't even think I had. I think yeah, I had a little hoodie on. I remember it was a blue hoodie. It was my favorite hoodie at the time. Um. So, I got off the bus, and. I'm in my phone, but I look up and I see, you know, this red uh, Ford Expedition drive by. Um, so I walk and I, I make eye contact with these people. I'm watching them watch me. So they pull on my block and then they just stop. Just stop. And I'm like, oh, shoot. So I keep walking. What else am I going to do? My house is on this block. I got to get to my house. By now... He's only 200 yards away from home. So the gentleman, two gentlemen hopped out the back, approached me. Now, I'm a very tall young man at 16. I'm very tall. This man was taller than me. Come to find out he was actually younger than me, but he was taller than me. So there's a little intimidation for me for that. Um, so they asked me, they said, you know, what do you got on you? Immediately. Leon knows he's being robbed. His upbringing has made him hypervigilant. In his own words, a secret agent. He tells him he has nothing. All he has is his cell phone and a little plastic bus pass. I think I was trying to just think rationally. I think I was trying to think rationally because, again, I'm a secret agent. So I got to think of everything going on. So I said nothing. He's like, come on, let's step in the alleyway. I'm looking, I'm like, I know that alleyway. That alleyway is dark. I'm not going down there with you. Uh, So I was like, no, I'm good. At that time, his accomplice came like behind me, tried to like get get behind me. Secret agent, that's not a good look. I go to run. I don't know when it happened, how it happened, where it happened, but I got shot. <laughs> I didn't hear the boom. I didn't hear the pop. I heard nothing. Um, I just remember, I remember that I went to run. I don't really recall it, but all I know is I ended up on the ground. And as I'm on the ground laying, I'm laying chest down on the ground. Um, I'm kind of able to lift my torso up a little bit. But I'm not moving. And my legs felt like they were floating underneath the concrete. Is how I remember it. And remembered it for about 15 years. Um, it was the weirdest feeling. I knew I was paralyzed. I knew, I knew it was over. I didn't, I didn't, it was, nobody needed to tell me. I knew that was over. 
But I'm in shock. I'm in trauma. I'm trying to call out to my mother because I can see her window And around that time of night, she normally moving around, bopping around because I would come home, walking home from the bus. And you would see her silhouette moving around. So I'm literally dying on the ground. Sounding like this, trying to call out to my mother. The house is 200 yards away. And I really can't yell. Didn't realize I can't yell. I'm yelling to what I think and yelling, but it's really... I'm probably not even making any noise. His neighbor sees Leon and calls 911. And as Leon is surrounded by paramedics and police, his mother finds him. My mother comes out the house and, because it's routine, I should be coming home around this time. She sees a young black man on the street and cops is around him. She's coming out. Is that Leon? Um, and I want to say I was verbally assaulted by the paramedics and the next cop that came, basically, I don't, I don't remember all of it, but I was kind of treated as if I was a drug dealer. Um, again, as I'm actively dying on the street, they're interrogating me. They're asking my mother, does he have any drugs on him? I'm I'm trying to get into the ambulance, sir. Can you can somebody else do this later? Like and I'm and then they come they had to come back and issue an apology because they found out my my rock my record was clean. Like there's never never had them kind of problems. Leon was shot in the shoulder. The bullet traveled from his shoulder, nicked a piece of his lung and then finally exploded into his spine. With little shards all around, it's like a little mushroom cloud. The trauma is so bad that in the hospital, Leon's heart stops and they have to resuscitate him. They keep working on him intensively, but after three days, it's clear. The damage to his spine is so severe he becomes quadriplegic. He is paralyzed from his chest down and loses about 70% of his feeling in his arms. But I could feel it happening. Like I felt it coming. Because one of the things I would always do, because I would have so many different tests at so many different times, I would always give her a thumbs up as I'm rolling out in the gurney. Well, I couldn't do that after like two, after a week or so. But I knew it was coming and they didn't really... They tried to stop it, but they couldn't. After becoming injured, the overprotectiveness from Leon's mom escalates. So I like to watch these videos on Facebook. It's called, I think, the Nest Box. So basically, it's a camera inside of a bird house. Um, and I watched a video one time of a mother baking a nest, hatching her eggs, getting her kids to cut out the house, to get out the nest. My mother was that mother, basically. She was a protector like that. Imagine your egg gets cracked and nothing spills out, but you, you can still salvage that egg, but you have to be very careful and protect it and nurture it. 
I was that age at 16. I was almost on my way out the house. We was looking forward to 18 together. We was going to have a party and say sayonara to each other. Um, but I was still an egg at, six, at 17. I wasn't ready to fly yet. And then I got cracked and I got broken. And she did not know what to do. And she protected the hell out of me. In the coming years, as Leon becomes an adult who is still relying on his mother's care, Leon says that his mom doesn't want him to do anything that she would deem dangerous from a wheelchair. This could be, for example, cooking food, going anywhere or with anyone that she doesn't know, or being out past 10 p.m. Having a disability most definitely amplified my mother's uh, kind of hyper-vigilance of protection. Sometimes I appreciated it, sometimes it was too much. Sometimes it gave me helpful, helpful guidance. It helped me avoid certain things. And sometimes it kind of stunted me from things. I didn't learn certain things that I might would have if some of that protection was lifted. There is absolutely, you know, no bad intention um, from overprotectiveness. I think overprotectiveness often comes from a very care in place. This is Jen Dainty, a clinical psychologist practicing in the UK. It comes from a place of wanting to do everything you can in your power as a parent to make sure your child is okay, to be well, to be safe. So for roughly nine years, Jen has worked with many parents who struggle with overprotection of their child with disabilities. So it's it's a completely natural, um, extremely common response um, to a child when a child's been injured um, or something changes physically for them. It's extremely common um, to feel scared and overprotective of our children. Lots of people that I work with, parents, describe feeling absolutely consumed with this, this fear. And even though overprotectiveness in parents it all stems from the same place of love and fear. Jen says it's also important to stress that we all have different backgrounds that also come into play. We're particularly thinking about overprotective parents here are absolutely multi-layered. Um, but unfortunately, some people are also dealt a rougher hand and have a lot more to, to manage and contend with. Um, so... I think, you know, it is so, so incredibly important to not look at a situation and, and a parent and a child and say, well, I wouldn't have done it that way. Um, and and if you wouldn't, then there's probably lots of reasons for that in terms of privilege and being able, you know, having the resources available to you. There can be so many factors that contribute to parents becoming harmfully overprotective. But oftentimes... It starts with trauma. Our sense of safety can be um, can be shattered. So the world around us can feel very different to what it once was because suddenly things can feel very unsafe um, where before they may have felt very different um, and safer and more predictable. Um, and so it, it's really important to think about how we experience that. And this isn't missed on Leon. 
I, I, like, yeah, I totally get it. Like, like I said, the egg, the egg, and the mama, mama bird. I, I get it. It just sucks to be that kid. <laughs> it sucks to be that egg. You got a lot of butt on you. <laughs> you got a lot of butt on you when you that cracked egg and the mama trying to make sure nothing happens to you. Uh, when you compile all of the different things that my mom was kind of doing. The way it kind of rushed over me and made me feel it felt like I was in control, under control. It felt like my life was not my own. Uh, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't have control of my life at all. According to Jen, roughly 50 percent of parents will report a trauma response and increased anxiety following their children having a serious injury or illness. That is why it is as important for parents as it is for children to receive help. So a key, you know, a key thing to remember is that anxieties don't protect, uh, stop bad things from happening, um, but they can stop good things from happening. They can affect the life that we want to, to lead. Leon feels as if his mom sees dangers everywhere, even in love. My mother did not want me to date. I don't think my mother wanted me to date ever, to be honest with you, even before the injury, after the injury, anytime. Um, in my mind, I kind of felt like because of how protective she was, she felt like nobody's going to take care of you like mama. There is not going to be anybody that's going to look out for you, be there for you unconditionally, let you say whatever you want to say, and come. I'll come back and take care of you like nobody else is going to be there for you. Um, she was wrong. But <laughs> I think I think that was, that was the fear. His dating life looks bleak but then suddenly a woman he met at a seminar a year prior pops up in his messages asking for help with her computer tiara um i'm like a tech guy so i think she took my information down because she said hey i might need a tech guy they meet up he fixes her computer and their story could have ended there. But then, a couple of days later, it's Christmas. And he decides to reach out again. But I was like, hey, sorry for the late text, but you know, Merry Christmas. Just me being a fake businessman at 22, 23, just thinking a customer for their services and hoping they refer me to somebody else in that church. <laughs> Or her family. Okay. And she answers. And after that, they just keep on texting. It was like, she was like my pen pal. Ugh. And like, we would just text all the time. They talk about everything. From food, to church, to family, to work and their hopes and dreams. Conversations we're having are real conversations. They're not just fun. They're not just fluff. When we kind of started to get more intentional and like the flirting, mixed with the flirting, we would be like, okay, well, 
What does this look like, though? So they keep secretly texting each other until finally, after two months, she asks him out on a Valentine's date. He sneaks out to her house where he's met by a romantic dinner. So let me say it like this. I was always nervous at that point in my life because, again, I couldn't. Like, this is just being brutally honest. I don't even know why. But at that time, I had I was still learning my body. So I had, um, my bowels was like, act up sometimes. Sometimes you disabled your bowels act up when you're nervous. So, like, I was, lock this bad boy up. Um, and that was, like, my biggest thing. Other than, like, I knew I'm funny. I knew I'm chill. Like, um, but we chill. We had, um, she made dinner for us. We had lamb. We had a vegetable medley. And we had um, a sweet potato casserole. And she made me a red velvet cake and, like, a heart pan. All my favorites. <laughs> Loved it all. After that, there's no going back. He falls for her. Bad. Yeah, that became the official. Yeah, that, was, that made us official between us. But right from the beginning, he knows he doesn't want his mother to know about Tierra. And he tells her why. I knew my mother wouldn't approve of Tierra because my mother did not approve of anybody. And that was even just having a friend. It was hard. It was very hard to get into my mother's good graces. So, for almost an entire year, he keeps her a secret from everyone. But he knows they can't go on like this forever. My breaking point for me was in November. We had banquet, a banquet at our church, and me and my girlfriend was there. I had to act like I didn't really, really know her. She wanted to be like, you know, as, as we should be, closed up, bubbled, you know, hugged up, taking pictures, eating food, dancing, and I'm on the other side of the room hiding with my mother. He feels like he lives in two different worlds that can't exist simultaneously. So he finally makes a decision. He chooses Tierra. And he does so on a New Year's Eve party with her family. So eventually everybody comes, because they should have been there earlier. Everybody comes. Her brothers are all wearing these um, Old Navy tuxedo shirts, um, because I wanted us to all look fancy. And Tierra was confused. As they're coming downstairs, I hop out my chair. Well, I didn't hop out. I fell out my chair on purpose and kind of propped myself up on my knees. And um, she said yes. So I think in that moment, I was just glad. But I was preparing for everything mentally. That, I think, was the biggest point for me. It was like, all right, this is what I really said. I It's time for me to blow it all up. And blow it all up is I'm going to basically uh, piss a lot of people off. It's finally time. He's going to tell his mother about Tierra. I think me and my mother had a conversation in the car on a ride home. I think we, I finally just had to be like, you know, hey, I'm engaged now. <laughs> I, just, I just had to just literally just say as simple as that. I think I was like, I'm engaged now. And, Engaged to Tierra, didn't know how to tell you. But I remember the, like the look 
It was definitely disappointment. Um, I don't know if it was frustration, but it was definitely disappointment. Telling your mother that you're engaged to be married to someone that you've secretly dated for almost a year. Leon understands that he could have caused her hurt. My mother, yeah, my mother definitely could be disappointed that she didn't know. That part was missed on me at that time. That's not how I ever wanted to break the news to my mother. I would have loved for her to have been a part of the whole journey. We just didn't have that kind of relationship where we talked. My mother didn't approve of Tierra because she didn't know if Tierra could handle my disability, even though Tierra was a respiratory therapist. Um, and being a respiratory therapist in the medical field, I thought Tierra would have a leg up with some of the conditions and issues that I would have, which she did. But my mother didn't see it that way for some reason. I don't, maybe, maybe it was like purposely not seeing it. I don't know. After I told her about my engagement, I don't think we really had many conversations for about three to four months. And by that, I really mean we literally said the bare minimum to each other. And his entire family, as well as his church community, quickly follows suit. I lost my whole family by just telling them I wanted to marry somebody. So for me, I lost everyone. I lost everything. I had no, I had... I, I didn't talk to my family that much, but I lost everybody. I would get phone calls just to tell me about myself, tell me about how I'm not living God's will and not doing the right thing and hurting my mother. And I just wanted to live my life. I just wanted to be happy. I just didn't want to feel like a burden somewhere. And that sucks. After nine months of cutting ties and being told that he's wrong, he marries Tierra. At a beautiful art gallery one hot September day, 2014. And even though he and his family and his mom aren't on speaking terms, he wants them there and he decides to invite them. They don't show up. <laughs> you know, I know people look out and they tell about the stories when they look into the stands and don't see their dad at their football game or soccer game. I imagine this was much worse. <laughs> this, this, I, it hurt, it hurt, it hurt. My homeboy's mom had to fix my corsage. Not mine, no, no, again, no blood. I had no blood there. That hurt for years. That hurt for a long time. That hurt for a long time. Come on, yeah. Despite the deep hurts, Leon manages to turn and devote his full attention to Tierra and enjoy marrying the love of his life. Oh yeah, we had a great wedding. <laughs> yeah, we had a great wedding. It was it was great. It was hot. Yeah, we we felt I was crying the whole wedding. I cried the whole wedding. I was so grateful. We genuinely love each other. We genuinely push each other. Um, but I was just so happy that I was doing this. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. It was harder than getting shot. And in spite of it all, not knowing how, but I'm still doing it. And that. 
That was worth it. Even though it was the hardest thing that he's ever done, it was also the best decision that he's ever made. And today, a decade later, he's 33 years old and he still feels that he would do it all over again in a heartbeat. I have an amazing wife. Um, I have the kind of wife that always thinks of things way before I do. And granted, she doesn't remember everything, and I remember things she don't, but I think we have a perfect balance to each other where we can help each other out in the ways we need to. I have the most beautiful daughter. Um, She's smart. She's her own person. I love it. She's her own person. I absolutely love it. She's she, And we think she's unique. We think she's different. Um, But we embrace that about her, and we allow her to thrive in that. This story... It's not about losing loved ones due to indifferences. It's about growing and mending bonds, meeting halfway on repaired bridges. With therapy on both sides and some time, Leon and his mother eventually find their way back to each other. And with God and a lot of hard work, um, a lot of bridges can be repaired. This is a story about restoration. I think um, it was hard. It had to be a lot of hard conversations. It had to be a lot of boundaries to be set. The boundaries had to get set even for years after. But our relationship is still evolving. It's growing. It's it's much better. So yeah, my mother being around and being in my life and a positive influence in my life and not many arguments and not many hard times, I'm very grateful for that. For Leon, it's important to talk about his story to talk about his different, difficult chapters, to show that mending relationships is possible. So my life is hard. My life is very difficult for me sometimes, but there are a lot of good moments. This is a really good moment right here, being healthy enough and through therapy and prayer and a lot of other things. I'm I'm actually I'm glad I'm able to talk about this. I am I'm still the goofball. I'm still the goofy guy. But wrapped up under all the goofiness is um I don't want to say a lot of wisdom but a lot of stories. A lot of helpful stories I think. You listen to Love and Disability, a full production about love and sex from a disabled perspective. Hosted by me, Alice Edwards. Our technician was Kister Oretieg. And the episode was produced and edited by Maria Elena Zelaya.